0: hello and welcome back to humbly spoken podcast i'm your host kinsley holland and today i have a really special guest on my show so my best friend caitlin duval is going to be as a guest today on the podcast to talk about how grief leads to our sanctification so um caitlin would you like to introduce yourself a little bit
1: yeah hello friends my name is caitlin as kinsley said um I'm 23. I'm from Tennessee originally. I currently live in Kentucky with my husband, Taylor. Um, I have degrees in journalism and Arabic and still working on figuring out what I want to do with those. But hey, (laughs) I'm young. It's okay. Uh, Yeah,
0: I think that's about it. Would you like to mention anything about the job that you currently have?
1: Yes, um, I edit and write part-time for a small Christian business called Stand Unshaken. Um, h- highly recommend looking into it um, because it's like a holistic health company with a Christian perspective, which is really neat um, because it's less focused on you and more fo- focused on like how you and your body function for the glory of God, which is
0: cool. So my first question that I have for you, Caitlin, is what is your definition of grief?
1: Um I don't know. definition questions are always hard because you're like, how do I define a word without using the word? <laughs> um yeah, grief is I don't know, it's just grief. <laughs> um I was looking it up the other day because you know, it's just what you do. It said like deep sorrow and something else, I almost said grief, but obviously that's not the definition. And I didn't feel like I did it justice, because I was like, I feel like grief is more than just being really sad. Um, it's almost like a debilitating sorrow, it's like, like a sorrow that's immobilizing, I think, or at least starts out that way. Grief doesn't always continue to be immobilizing, um, but yeah. I guess that's what I would go with. Grief is almost like immobilizing sorrow. Um,
0: yeah. yeah, so I've been thinking about this paradox that happens between feeling like super numb when you're grieving or hyper-focusing on the situation. And I think that it just takes different forms depending on whatever kind of grief you're going through. But yeah, for me, it definitely feels like that debilitating, um, just that... Like, you're wandering in the wilderness kind of thing, and you don't really know where you're going. So now my question for you is, when is a time when you felt immense grief in your own life, and do you have any good stories of um, times where you've pulled through that grief?
1: I don't know if they're, like good stories. I don't know. Maybe That's up to other people, I guess. Um, well, I've lost three of my grandparents all before I was... 17 I think um so I guess those are immense grief but like you said where you hadn't really experienced immense grief until college I think a lot of that often has to do with like kids don't necessarily process grief or fully understand situations for some kids obviously there are anomalies or people that go through really um like intense situations or seasons of life. Um, But I don't think those were like intensely grieving long term. Um, But obviously, like losing anybody is intense in the moment. Um, But I think I know adulthood is like grieving. (laughs) I think graduating college during COVID was very Grievous? Is that the right word? Is that even a word? Just like going through all of that and being really angry. Um, just, I don't know, having this picture of senior year being this great experience. And it was the first year I'd ever lived off campus and most of my friends still lived on or near campus and I didn't. I was like 15, which 15 minutes isn't that far, but in Bowling Green it's far. <laughs> But I didn't live near campus. Um, I got married first semester senior year, and so I was like battling. Oh, now I need and should and want to spend time with Taylor, but I also want to spend time with my friends and all the organizations I'm involved in. Um, So it's like this war, at least in my head, (laughs) of like choosing what to invest in. Obviously, I invest in my marriage but (laughs) figuring out how to balance all of it and feeling really left out um and being angry about that and then covid hit march of my senior year and i was like wow even more separation and isolation (laughs) from everything else (laughs) which i think everybody felt but it just felt like it was stacking on top of other things i already felt but was trying to ignore. And so last year carrying into like Christmas of this, of 2020, I guess, was like just this immense time of grief and being angry and confused.
0: So that's probably my most recent. Yeah, thank you for sharing all that. So my third question is how does sanctification tie into our grieving?
1: Oh uh, yes, <laughs> uh, I had to like I had to really think about this one and take notes because <laughs> that's how I function most of the time. Um, mm-hmm. Well, we know from the Bible that even God grieves, and so if we're so if and since we are made in His image, it would make sense that grieving and sanctification go together or that grieving is one route to sanctification um, is it Isaiah 53 Isaiah 53 verse 3 it says he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief and then there's a little other section but that was the part I was thinking about um, and obviously he's talking about Jesus at least if you believe in Jesus. You believe that this is who they're talking about. Um, And he was acquainted with grief. And we know in Genesis, God grieved that man had fallen into sin or chosen sin. We didn't just fall into it. Um, But we know that God is well acquainted with grief. And so I think it would be silly for us to think that we are Christians and wouldn't grieve and go through intense seasons of it. I sometimes hate the word season because it feels very Christianese, but it's the best word for it. <laughs> um, yeah, and just like anything difficult we endure, trials, tribulations, whatever you want to call it, um, grief in those things often forces us to look deeper into our faith and God's hand in all of it. Like, we can initially start out ignoring it, like I did, like a year and a half ago. But eventually we'll be forced to recognize it, whether it's it manifests in, like, your body, like, stress and being immobilized physically, or crying a lot, that's how I noticed it. I just cried all the time, and I was like, why am I crying? Like, I cry somewhat easily, anyway. Anybody who knows me knows I cry every movie ever but this is like it was different this is very emotional like things in my life just made me sad and it didn't necessarily make sense where was i (laughs) um but for some people that can mean anger toward or doubting god but it can also mean deepening and strengthening our relationship with him So it just depends on which route you choose, but they definitely go together.
0: So now we've talked about how that sanctification comes through our grieving a lot of the times, so I would just like to know um, how you think that happens practically in your own life and maybe in what you've seen in other people's lives. I think it's hard to see it at
1: first. You normally have to be working through grief for a little while to actually see the fruits of it. Um, but I think starting out, if you want to pursue sanctification through grief actively, um, it looks like leaning into the Lord, actually reading what he says about it, um, and seeking godly counsel, which is hard when you're sad and or depressed, um, or just going through grief, Um, And you don't want to tell people about it. That's how I am. I don't like talking to people when I'm sad. (laughs) Um, So once you get to that point, force yourself into the discomfort of telling people about it. Um, Seeking godly counsel is extremely important. Um, I know when I was going through it, I was like, man... I'm really sad, but I don't necessarily want to process it with people who know me, because you know they're invested in like fixing it for you, and you're like I don't necessarily want you to fix it. And so I went to a counseling center, um, a biblical counseling center locally, and it was nice because like they didn't know everything about me. <laughs> We're partying for counseling! Woo! (laughs) Um, But if you don't want to share it with people who know you because you're afraid they'll respond or think about it or want to fix it for you, counseling is a great resource. Um, Or if you don't have a counseling, then you can always talk with a pastor or some mentor of some sort who's in your church or even is just a friend who knows the lord
0: yeah i think that was it <laughs> all right so my fourth question is are there passages of scripture that really help you to think about this and encourage you when it comes to grieving and sanctification
1: oh uh, yes <laughs> i have quite a few written down um Psalms 27 and 37, when I started counseling. That was my homework for the week, (laughs) was to read Psalms 27 and 37. Whenever I was feeling anxious or depressed or anything like that, but also before I went to sleep every night. Because if you have any experience with these things, those thoughts normally, if they haven't been plaguing you all day, will come attack you at night before you go to bed because you're alone in the dark with nothing else to think about. Um, So I like those a lot. Um, But also in my daily Bible reading that I was doing yesterday, I was also catching up, I was three days behind. Psalm 119 is a good one. It's the longest Psalm. It's longer than some books of the Bible, but it's really worth reading. But I think it speaks a lot to all the different emotions we feel. Uh, Because I remember I had the Bible app reading it to me yesterday and it just kept going and I was like, is this all the same song? (laughs) Because it went through all the different emotions and things we say to God and things that we feel. Um, But the ones I specifically felt spoke to grief for verses 25 through 32, 49 through 56, 75 through 80, and 145 through 156. But you should just read the whole thing cuz why not? <laughs> it's definitely something I'd recommend. <laughs> um, but Job is also good for grief. You talked about that last month in your episode with Jade and you're planning on doing a whole season about Job. Another plug. She plugged it last month. I'm going to plug it this month. (laughs) Everybody tune in (laughs) whenever that comes out. My absolute favorite book of the Bible, and everybody who knows me well, knows what I'm about to say. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I love Habakkuk. Everybody read Habakkuk. I'm waving my hands because it's so good. Uh, Everybody read it because there are different sides of grief. There are the sides of like being on the other side of loss and being really sad for what you don't have anymore. But there's also the other side of grief where you're expecting something and it's just not coming. And that's where Habakkuk is. He's like, God. You foretold that you would punish Israel for acting up and you haven't done it yet. Where are you at? And God answers him. We don't deserve answers, but he answers Habakkuk. And it's beautiful. Everybody go read it. It's only three chapters and it's amazing. It makes me cry. And it's also what the book Kinsley mentioned last month, Hinds Feet on High Places. It's based on that book of the Bible. So check it out.
0: Okay, question number five. How does your relationship with God change when you are grieving?
1: Um, At least personally, I go through a cycle, at least recently I have, (laughs) of uh, pressing into God and being like, why God? And praying a lot and trying to dive into the Word. And then I get kind of angry (laughs) and like, this doesn't make sense. I, mm, I'm angry. Like, why have you done these things to me? Feeling not righteous, but you know, (laughs) that's just life sometimes. And then being humbled and remembering that I am not God. I don't necessarily deserve or get answers. Sometimes I do get them, I don't ever deserve them, but sometimes I receive answers to my questions, um, and sometimes I don't, and then pressing into God again and realizing that I've learned a lot through this experience of grief, um, yeah, at least recently, I think sometimes in the past I've done better about pressing into the (laughs) Word and pressing into God and being like, cool, I'll take this and learn from it. But other times, I'm like no, I'd rather just sit here in my grief for a little bit. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's the reality of the Christian life. I mean, how yeah? <laughs> how often do we learn when we succeed? Most of the time, we learn after we failed, and not that not always desiring to seek the Lord is failing. It's just how life is. And I don't think it's a failure on our part. Um, But if we were successful, air quotes, in waking up every day to pursue the Lord and never faced a trial or were never challenged in our faith, would we learn much else or grow? I don't know. I think there would be some knowledge um, and learning in that, because the Lord's Word does not return void. But we learn a lot from experience, too.
0: Yes, so I would totally agree with um, the ebbing and flowing that you were kind of talking about in your relationship with God. I feel like very recently, and probably in the past couple years in college, and I say college, not just My literal time in college classes, but also just the age where I've been in college. Um, I have found just this really interesting ability to be in relationship with God, even though it doesn't look like what I expected it to, or even what it looked like whenever I was growing up. You know, I was, um, I became a Christian as a teenager, and I had a different sort of spiritual discipline and a different sort of community back in high school and then in college it's just looked really different and I've grown in different ways and my relationship with God has changed and that doesn't mean that I'm speaking heresy or anything by saying that but I've just learned that there are so many things that the Lord just desires for me to meet him in even if it's not in the the everyday acts of um the things that I might have done back whenever I felt more religious, if that makes sense. All right, so my final question is, does the sanctification that eventually comes make the grief worth it? And why or why not?
1: (sighs) I had to think about this one (laughs) because I know that yes, it actually does. But, my feelings would argue otherwise a lot of the time. Um... So my answer is yes. Sanctification does make grief worth it. But it doesn't feel like it when you're in it. Um, Cause you don't have perspective and you're still in the middle of it and you haven't necessarily seen the other side of it or grown yet. You're still just in the middle of grieving. Um, there are certain situations that produce grief that a lot of people go through that I would hate to just say, yeah, sanctification makes that worth it, Um, because it doesn't necessarily feel like that. Like when people have miscarriages or something, I haven't ever, I mean, I've never, I mean, I'm married, but I am nowhere near having children, but like, I I have not experienced that. I don't know if I ever will, and so... It's hard for me to say for other people that they would necessarily feel that, which isn't what you were asking, but (laughs) for anybody who might disagree with me about sanctification being worth it, there you go. There's my disclaimer. Um, But at least in personal experiences, I think so. I've learned a lot, and it's, I mean, you're always learning things that you can share with other people who work, who walk and work through things that you go through also. Yeah, you're never grateful, well, most of the time you're not grateful for, like, super grievous, I, I should have phrased it differently, grievous situations, but you can be grateful for the sanctification that came from it. I have this book sitting on my desk that I got out because I was like, wow, this is applicable, um, but I didn't look through it very well before I got on here with <laughs> it. Um, ooh, this is a good one. This is is from Anne Voskamp's book, One Thousand Gifts, which I highly recommend to, I don't know, I guess everybody. There is a part at the beginning that maybe parents, specifically mothers, might want to skip. It's about Anne's loss of her sister when she was really young. So you might not want to read that part. But, the rest of the book is great. (laughs) Um, She said, well, she's quoting somebody. (laughs) Whoops. Um, On page 125 of at least my copy of this book. And it says, You would be very ashamed if you knew what the experiences you call setbacks, upheavals, pointless disturbances, and tedious annoyances really are you would realize that your complaints about them are nothing more nor less than blasphemies, though that never occurs to you. Nothing happens to you except by the will of God, and yet God's beloved children curse it because they do not know it for what it is." I'll help you out with perspective. <laughs> there you go. On page 161 of this book, it says, this is, I guess, Anne is demonstrating like a conversation between his followers and God. And it says in God's response, if my goodness is toward you end, I will cease to exist. That's a good thing to constantly remind yourself of in seasons, blah, that word, um, seasons of grief, (laughs) Um, that his goodnesses don't end even if we're in seasons that lack goodness, at least from our perspective.
0: Hey, Kinsley again here. I just wanted to say thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the podcast, Grief for Our Sanctification. So this episode actually wraps up my series on grief. And so we will be in a new series the next time you tune into this podcast next month. And I'm super excited. So again, thank you so much, uh, Caitlin Duvall, for being a part of this podcast and for just being a great best friend for almost nine years. So I really hope you guys enjoyed this podcast episode and I hope that you'll keep listening. All right, Caitlin, do you have anything to say to the listeners? (laughs)
1: <laughs> Goodbye, friends. Thanks for tuning into the Humbly Spoken Podcast. Woo!
0: For all inquiries, whether to discuss a podcast episode more fully, to request or suggest specific topics for me to cover or anything else, you can email me at humblyspoken.pod at gmail.com. You can also find show notes from each episode, blog posts, and other resources on my blog at www.humblyspoken.wordpress.com. You can follow Humbly Spoken Podcast on Instagram at humblyspoken underscore pod, and you can follow my personal account at kinsholland. Until next Time, thank you for listening to the Humbly Spoken Podcast.